1: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
2: White Sox Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com slash socks. That's Wintrust.com slash socks. We're here every Tuesday or as White Sox news breaks. And you know what? You can make your life a whole lot easier. Just hit that button to subscribe to the podcast And you can listen to us whenever you want and wherever you want, and you'll get a notification on your phone that we are here with a brand-new White Sox Talk podcast. So, Jose Quintana, did you see him? Did you see him in the World Baseball Classic? A no-hitter for five-and-two-thirds against Ian Kinsler, Adam Jones, Paul Goldschmidt, Buster Posey, Daniel Murphy, Stan McCutcheon, Arenado. Listen, we love Jose Quintana. I love Jose Quintana. But the Yankees, the Astros... You should really love Jose Quintana. Don't just limit it to those two now. (laughs) Yes, uh, that's Ryan McGuffey, by the way. It's okay, you're going to hear Guff in a second. But what are you waiting for? He's out there on the podcast today. Ryan McGuffey is here in the studio with me, and we've got Dan Pleasak from MLB Network who did the most amazing, incredible, dangerous drive to get to MLB Network today. We'll get his thoughts on Jose Quintana and we'll be calling J.J. Stankiewicz who's covering the White Sox for Dan Hayes out in Glendale. A whole lot of Quintana and why the Yankees, Astros and other teams don't need to wait until the deadline to make a trade. Make it now. What are you waiting for? The White Sox Talk podcast on the air. Here we go. All right, Chuck Garfine here with Ryan McGuffey. We are here in Snow Belt Central. I got a foot of snow where I live. How about you,
0: Uh, I'd say probably about eight or nine inches. I wouldn't say quite a foot, but I'm up by O'Hare, so. It depends on what street you're on, what what neighborhood you're in. It's really more that we got lake effect snow. Lake effect snow usually pushes into northwest Indiana, Crown Point, you know, one of the Crown Point Portage area. It would be great if
2: we could talk to somebody who actually was in Crown Point when the day began.
0: And kind of drove east and followed the snowstorm out that way. Do you know anyone there? That's terrible timing.
2: And (laughs) that would be the perfect situation for our guest here on the White Sox Talk podcast. Dan, please, Zach, did you make it all the way to New Jersey today?
3: Oh, did I ever. Chuck, listen to this. So, I've had a pretty... Uh, I guess you call it fan-friendly schedule at MLB. So I've had like seven of the last eight days off. So I had to be back Wednesday for a noon meeting, and I'm filling in. I'm doing intentional talk Wednesday. So I came in. I flew in Sunday night to O'Hare. Was going to have some dental work done Tuesday. Fly out Tuesday night. Be ready for Wednesday. Well, we all know what happened with the storms. My flight was canceled Monday. Was able to get my dental work done. Decided on. There's no way I was getting out. So I was like the baseball MLB Network version of the storm chaser. So it, was, it started out fun, right? So I left Crown Point, Indiana. It was great till I got to South Bend. From South Bend to Toledo, it was snowing a little bit. From Toledo to Cleveland, it was coming down buckets. So I thought, I'm not even going to see Pennsylvania. So anyway, I get to the Pennsylvania border, Chuck, and there is not a drop of snow on the ground or coming down. Wow. I'm going 85 miles an hour from the Ohio-Pennsylvania border for four and a half hours. I get to Knowlton, PA. I am 60 miles from Clifton, New Jersey, where I need to be, where my condo is. And Chuck, it was like snow I've never seen in my life. <laughs> it took me four hours to to go 60 miles. Oh. And listen, I grew up, you went to Southern Cal, right? So I did. I'm going to tell you about winters. When you grew up in northwest Indiana, you're used to snow. Chuck, from Knowlton, Pennsylvania, it was white knuckle city. I was thinking I was Al McGuire back in the days calling it a <laughs> white knuckler. It was two hands on the wheel. I could barely see the car in front of me. I was going 15 miles an hour through Pennsylvania, and I'm telling you, when I got here and I pulled into my condo, I jumped in the shower at 6 this morning, Chuck. I had beaten up like I ran a marathon. My knees, my feet, my feet are sore from going gas to the brake for four hours. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting leg cramps. It's awful.
2: Didn't you want to pull over? Couldn't you have pulled over? You didn't have to be back until No, this is why you couldn't. There was so much
3: snow on the road that if, if you pulled over, somebody might run in behind you. Like uh. a three-lane Route 80, there was one clear lane because like two plows would be next to each other, clearing a space for people to go on. So if you were, this is what happened, Chuck? Right before Knowlton P.A., it's where your wipers are getting that ice on it, and it's slimy, so the windshield wiper's going back and forth. I can't see out of the windshield wiper, right? Yeah. So I get off on an exit, and I think, all right, I'm going to get off, and I'm going to so smack the wipers on the windshield to get the ice off. When I pull off to go on the exit ramp, the snow was like I could barely get through in the car that I rented. So now I'm panicking city a thinking, yeah. who the hell is going to find me in Northern Pennsylvania? <laughs> Nobody, right? So look, Chuck... It was awful. It was a complete nightmare, but I'm here. And you know what? I'm sitting there watching Phillies baseball at MLB Network right now in my, in my condo in New Jersey. So like it, was, a, it was a good ending.
2: Well, I'm, I'm just glad you're, you're there yeah. and you're safe because this could have been a whole different story. So uh, kudos to you to get there and survive this.
3: Yes. I'm in one piece. We're all ready to go.
2: Okay. we got to talk baseball and okay. White Sox baseball. Right. Jose Quintana, you saw him in the World Baseball oh. Classic. Yeah.
3: So, right? right? Wow. I'm going to tell you, you know, you know, if if Rick Hunt's phone hasn't been ringing already, that was a clinic that he put on. I mean, I know he was charged with one run, but any kind of help out of the bullpen, that would have been five and two-thirds, like, scoreless baseball. And, and it basically was what he is. He's one of the top 20 pitchers, starting pitchers, in the game of baseball. A lot of the people in metrics, the sabermetric community, they look at his numbers they comparables, I guess, to Chris Sale. Some people like him more than Sale. I don't think his stuff is quite as good as Sale's. Sale, a little bit more unorthodox, but he's a good pitcher. This guy's, without question, a top 20 starter. You know, there's, there are all kinds of rumors you're hearing now the Yankees might be trying to put a big package together to get him. I know this he's a good pitcher, and if the White Sox are going to move him, they're going to get a lot back in return because he's quality, Chuck.
0: What was, Danny, what was the most impressive thing about Quintana the other night? Because I just was blown away by how good he looked at this point in the year. I mean, it's mid, it's not even the midway point of March yet, and this guy's out with a perfect game, yeah. you know, on minimal pitches, and like break, barely breaking a sweat against an unbelievable lineup.
3: Well, that's, that's the key, and I think you hit the nail right on the head, Guff, is – what surprised me is he's not a stuff guy. And, you'll, and what I mean by a stuff guy that's like 95 to 98, has that nasty slider that Chris Sale has where he could take your bats and just you know, throw them away for the day because you're not going to hit him. But he's a smooth 93 to 95, and he's sneaky quick. He doesn't get enough credit. For his stuff. His stuff is really good. Now, it may be a notch below Chris Sale. It may not be Clayton Kershaw. It may not be John Lester, but it's not that far away. But what I like about him, guys, he's a pitcher. And I think he showed that in that World Baseball Classic against Team USA. He's not afraid to throw his fastball. He'll run the ball in. And I call him a backwards lefty. And What I mean by that Most lefties, they pitch right-handers away, away, away. Kind of that Tom Glavin school, sink the ball away. Where this guy, he's not afraid to run the ball in on a right-hander, so he's tough to hit, has a good breaking ball. His changeup has gotten a lot better. Three really good pitches. He'll throw them at any time. And he was like in June form in the first week of March. I was as amazed as you guys, like, he put on a pitching clinic in that World Baseball Classic.
2: All right. So John Parado of FanRag, he spoke to an NL scout who was at the game. And here's a quote from this scout about Quintana. He said, everyone knows he's a heck of a pitcher, but that might have been the best I've ever seen him, considering it's spring training and it's still he is still building arm strength. strength and then he went on to say, that's an all-star lineup right there. And he cut through them, right through them. I'm sure it had to make Rick Hahn very happy. And then... The Yankees have this blog it's called the Yanks go Yard blog. The headline that they put out after that performance was Yanks and Jose Quintana do it and get it over with
3: yeah it, it, it you know what' you know what's amazing about the story is Chuck and I know Dan you know this you know, this was a guy that the Yankees left unprotected yeah. on their forty man roster that's how he was able to land with the white sox. Think about this Yeah, 25 it, it's grand. amazing how a guy can like. But you have an organization like the Yankees where they have a lot of players and there's a lot of turnover and a lot of volume and if you don't meet a certain criteria, you know they're they're always they're they're making trades, they're an aggressive organization, and it also goes to show you how key it is and instrumental with pitching, you have to be patient. You it is so hard to do, but you really have to do that because you could get a guy like a Jose Quintana You have him in your organization. You sign him as a free agent pitcher, as a minor league guy. You don't have a whole lot of money invested into him. All of a sudden, he slips through the cracks. The White Sox, somebody deserves a lot of credit for seeing something that no other organizations did. They took a flyer, and they hit a home run. And it's amazing now that the Yankees are going to try to get that guy back. I go back, when when I think of Quintana, I go to a right-handed version that the White Sox had about nine or ten years ago, okay? You you go and and you look at all these pitchers, and you're like, man, you you know what I mean? John Garland, right? There was so much promise from John Garland. I'm comparing a righty to a lefty, but think about this. The White Sox were patient. Everybody kept waiting. When is John Garland going to do it? Disappointment with the Cubs. You know, all this potential. When is he going to put it together? He puts it together on a terrific run when they win the World Series, the hardest thing for an organization to do with young pitching is to be patient. And that's, that's the key, and that's what all of the really good organizations do that develop good pitching. You have to have a lot of it, Chuck, but you've got to be patient with it too.
0: So, Dan, for three months we've been sitting here trying to dissect exactly whose prospects line up perfectly with the White Sox to trade for Jose Quintana. And we're sitting here now in March and mid-spring training and I got to a point where I just thought he's going to make 33 starts for the White Sox next year. I'm not so sure about that anymore. It was just, honestly, just with the way he pitched in that World Baseball Classic. And I think the desperation level of some teams at this point, knowing kind of where they are health-wise and maybe where, where they think they might project themselves today versus January 14th. So the Yankees, and I, I love the Yankees prospects, if they line up that's great. But look at their rotation.
2: Their the rotation is Tanaka, Pineda, Sabathia, Severino, Chad Green. But
0: that's my point. I told you this earlier, and I don't know where Dan thinks about this, but with their young guys that they got last year in that lineup and arguably the best back end of the bullpen in baseball, they are a Jose Quintana away from a, being a wild card. So what are they waiting for, Dan? Well, I'm, I'm more of what, what, you know what are the Houston I, Astros doing? What are the Houston Astros doing?
2: I wish for? I had a
3: crystal ball and I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the team, to me – that they're playing, they're playing poker, they're playing Lorette right, right now. The one team that needs this guy is the Houston Astros. Yes. And I'm telling you, they are going into spring training, banking on this lineup that's going to score runs with Bregman and Correa, and they're they bring in Carlos Beltran, and they're going to beat their way, and they're going to just knock teams around the ballpark. Dallas Keuchel was not very good. He won the Cy Young in 2015. He was not good last year. Lance McCullers, Jr., has the best stuff on their staff. He's had some elbow issues, was on the DL last year. This might be the best young lineup in the game of baseball. And I think right now what Jeff Luno and the Astros are doing is they're, they're sitting back saying, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to spring training. We're going to bring in all these arms. and It's going to sort itself out. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, and you heard it here first. The Rangers get off to a good start. The Mariners are a vastly improved team going into this year, and if the if they're pitching, that being the Houston Astros, is what it looks like on paper, they don't have enough pitching. They can say all they want that they think that their pitching is good enough right now, McCullers is going to come back, Keichel is going to come back, if know? they're going to be better. Yeah. They don't have enough pitching. They need Quintana.
2: Okay, and it's a risk, I think, because, okay, if you're the Astros and you're saying, you know, we'll get them later, well, there's other teams that are going to need pitching. No doubt. So it's not if just a control. You are
3: sitting and, and if you're the White Sox right now, if you're the Rick Hahn, you played the greatest game of poker that you could possibly play. You have a guy that is on a very controllable you'd almost say team-friendly contract. And oh, that, yeah. I mean, it's very really, cheaper. so if you, if you have to hang on to him till the all-star break, if you have to hang on to him till next offseason, as long as he doesn't get hurt, and if he continues to pitch like he did, you know, listen, he's not going to go five and two-thirds and go through a lineup like that every five days. No. But listen, he's a commodity. Everybody out there is looking for what he brings to the table. If you're the White Sox, you don't have to do anything on March 14th. You don't have to do anything on March 20th. You sit back, you wait, and you see what comes your way. And if nothing comes your way, you've got one of the top 20 pitchers on a very controllable contract. What's wrong with that if you keep them, if you're the White Sox?
0: I, I totally agree with you. But if Houston thinks they can play poker I- at the yeah. same table as the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, even the Texas Rangers in their own state, I think they're, they're kidding themselves. They've lined themselves they, – they've done this for three years. They've, they've purposely – To get to this position. To get to this position, to go out and win, and now they don't want – they've went out on the record and said, we don't want to risk the future for the present. Why? Jose this Quintana a, should be your future. This is exactly what you've done to build yourself up to this point. You have set the present up perfectly, forget about the future. The future is now, and they don't want to get rid of these prospects. I don't get it.
3: I, I don't either. And, and you know what? For every trade that it wo- looks like it works out right, You're, we're seeing a lot. Of, I think the biggest commodity every organization has right now are young, controllable players. They're better than cash. They're better than guys that are making millions. So every team, but but in some ways, I think baseball has gone a little bit too much that way. Like. You know, our, your favorite team, like, oh, our minor league system is really good. Yeah, but you stink at the big league level. <laughs> Nobody cares, right? Baseball America, we're ranked fourth in baseball with the best prospects. That's great till May 15th when you're 20 and 35 and you can't draw and get people to the ballpark and you want to talk about how great your minor league system is. I get that. But most of the time, if you can pull the trigger and get a guy like a Jose Quintana, a proven commodity, listen – Nobody has a crystal ball. You can make a trade, and you know he could have an arm injury. That's part of baseball. But right now, to me, he's the safest bet of all of the pitchers that are out there and available. One, because he's good. Two, he, he does. He's not a maximum effort guy. He's a, he's a pitch to contact kind of guy that can miss bats. Listen. He, he's about as good as it gets right now. And if you're Rick Hahn, you sit back with a big smile on your face. Life is good. If somebody knocks your socks off, you make a move. If not, you have a guy that could win 15 to 20 games, and he'll take the ball for you every
2: five days. And if you're wondering how Quintana would look in a playoff game, how he would perform, well, you basically saw it in the World Baseball Classic going through like an all-star lineup. and In a great environment. Right, know, like, and yeah. it's, it's, it's tough for me because I want the White Sox to keep Jose Quintana. He should be a part of the future – in a perfect world. Unfortunately, right. the White Sox are in an imperfect world. They need talent, an influx of multiple players, not just a Jose Quintana. And unfortunately, this is where they're at, and they got to trade them. So now I'm, I, you got to be all in to hope that they can get a, a big haul in return.
3: No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, that's where they're at right now. And, and I will say this. Do you like what they're doing, Danny? I do. I, I do because, I'm going to tell you, what. I go back to last year in May. I did three games with Hawk in New York, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? They were in first place. And it looked like, wow, this team was for real, right? The bullpen was firing. They were hitting. Todd Frazier, he wasn't hitting for average, but he was hitting for power. And I'm thinking, wow, they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And their pitching looks like it's good. When you have Sale and you have Quintana, you're like, wow, I'm buying and I mean when the roof fell in, it fell in. Yeah. And I give them credit for looking at the organization and it's a hard thing to do because this isn't in Jerry Reinstorf's DNA with the White Sox. It's to let's let's tear this thing down and, and rebuild because he he likes to be competitive and he wants to win. But I give him credit for this. This this was like three years in a row right now that you put these big band aids on some holes that you think that you have, right? And what happens is you plug one hole and another one pops up. You plug two more and two more pop up. And they realize this, going into June or July, they were what they were. They were not a very good team. No matter, you could go back and slice and dice and say, we were in first place in May, guess what? So were about three or four other teams that were also runs at the end of the year. They needed to make some changes. They needed to get younger. They needed to get more athletic. And all those goals were accomplished. Now, it's going to be up to these young players that they acquired to see what they can do. And if they can live up to their potential, they have some really positive things to look forward to down the road.
2: Okay, we got to let you go pretty soon. But uh, a couple questions. One, what do you think of the World Baseball Classic? I know... Guff is all in on that.
0: I was all in on Friday. Uh, I'm pri- <laughs> on Friday, I, yeah, I It's all- a
2: Friday for you to get all in. What, what well, do you think tough. about the World Baseball Classic? Are you pro or con?
3: I like it, Chuck. I like it. You know what? I think you feel the same way I do. It's hard to really wrap your arms around it when there's no Mike Trout, there's no Clayton Kershaw, there's no Jake Arrieta or John Lester. You know, we we've gotten we've got a lot of really good players, but let's face it, we want to see Mike Trout. We want to see Clayton Kershaw. There's just not a perfect time to play. It's spring training is too early. The all-star break, everybody wants to rest. I love the idea. I love the concept. They love it in the Dominican Republic. They love it in yeah. Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Japan. But you know what the problem is? In the U.S., we like the Super Bowl, the World Series, and the Stanley Cup. We don't really care about a pre-game tournament.
0: I think you said it best too, because you're you're not seeing the, you know, you're not seeing the stars. You're seeing the guys who have right. stars to represent the Dominican say, Republic. I will say that's a star on for. Friday night. I'm sitting in front of the television. I'm flipping around. Yeah. and I'm like, you know, this world, the environment of the world with baseball, with, with, the Andrew, with Andrew Miller coming into the game. Ah, it felt the it felt like Game Seven all yeah, over again. Yeah. I popped a beer and I'm just like, wow, I'm all in on the edge of my seat. And when uh, Nelson Cruz hits that Ooh. bomb to left, you're like, Maybe the Cubs broke Andrew Miller, then you're thinking, nah, Andrew Miller's still pretty good and Nelson Cruz's a good hitter. But I was like, What an environment.
3: Yeah. Right? But then, then you then you go an hour and a half later and you then you watch the next game, Cuba, right against Korea, and there's twelve people sitting what? in the stage. You're like, Okay, hey. this is a B game on
0: a backfield over there in Glendale. Or how about on Sunday when it was uh, the United States versus Canada? Right? Was, it was that was like watching, you know, that, that it was, was like a Swordfest. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. I saw Dempster on the mound. I'm like, uh, exactly.
3: Dempster. <laughs> You're like, wait, what the hell's wrong with my team hey, A? Why, why
0: aren't you pitching for Team USA if Dempster can start for <laughs> exactly, Canada? Exactly, right?
3: <laughs> oh, man. Talking about bringing out the old horses.
2: Jeez. I, I still haven't seen a Team Israel game. How about Team Israel?
3: I know, right? they play playing some great baseball, great too.
2: Yeah. They're, they're, though, unfortunately, their games are in the middle of the night. Yeah. I wake <laughs> up, I'm like, oh, Team Israel just, just exactly. won. They just beat Cuba. <laughs> exactly. Right? How <laughs> did mean, Team Israel beat Cuba? Right! Mazel <laughs> Cop. Let's go, Chuck! <laughs> All right. Before I let you go, one last thing. I, I just, yes. on Quintana, because I've got to circle back to this, because I think the whole thing is very humorous. This is how I get through this Jose Quintana thing. He pitched that amazing performance against the U.S. What does he end up with? A no decision. No decision. <laughs> right. He got yeah. a no decision. That's what he's been doing his whole White Sox career, and he ends up he with a no decision. He has, hasn't he? Yeah. Isn't he the
3: master of seven and two thirds, two earned runs? Yes. Yeah. The bullpen, something bad happens. Yep. And this guy, you're right. He must have, you know what, in his, in his next life, he needs to go on a full ride in Notre Dame to get an ND, a no decision, right? <laughs>
2: Or that, or his next life, he's going to go like a hundred and zero in his exactly major league right. career in oh, hundred major league the starts. He'll be in his second baseball <laughs> yeah. life. He'll never get a no decision. Yeah. He'll have hundred victories and hundred starts. Exactly, <laughs> Dan. Please, Zach. Yeah, it is great to hear your voice, and uh, you are. I think he's number one of our guests on the White Sox Talk podcast. Oh yeah,
0: one? like if you're putting him out Mount Rushmore, you're really yeah. only deciding who the other three are.
3: Okay. Ah, I like the way <laughs> you guys talk. Hey. Uh, you guys, I need an agent. You guys want to help me out? <laughs> yes. Absolutely.
2: I, you're, you're Perfect. Re- you're represented by Garfine and Guff. Yep. That's what I need, G-G. right? G
3: squared. Let's go get
2: him. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. And so glad you're safe, and we'll see you on LB Network. You're the best, Okay, man. just
3: remember, stretch. Get yes. him back there. He looks up. You can't put it on the ball. Yes.
2: <laughs> you're the best. All right. Going to break here on the White Sox Talk Podcast. Up next, we're going out to Glendale and bringing in J.J. Stankiewicz covering the White Sox for Dan Hayes. Hayes needed about a week break, but Stankowitz is on it with Quintana, who just returned to Camelback Ranch, Carlos Rodon, and a whole lot more. Who's going to play center field for the White Sox? We're back in a moment. Keep your money local. Bring it home to a Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com. Slash Sox, members
1: FDIC. It's sports. It's social. It's viral. It's Luke Stuckmeyer and Layla Rahimi, and it's the Next Generation Sports Show. In the Loop, every night at 6.30, 10, and 10.30 on CSN Chicago. And as soon as the show ends, turn to Facebook Live for the after show.
2: All right, we're back on the White Sox Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust. And on the phone right now is not Dan Hayes from CSNChicago.com. It's J.J. Stankiewicz who is filling in for the week for Hayes. Uh, Hayes, he needed a break. He needed a
0: break, so he went to Vegas.
4: But unfortunately, what he did? Un- right? Unfortunately, the White Sox did not have AJ Stankovitz in the lineup who I can write about. <laughs> so that's that, disappointing. That's well done. You yeah, know, the, the White Sox so he, needed, he
2: needed a break, and so he goes to Vegas. Well, that and the White Sox they need depth in their organization. CSN's got depth because we can bring in JJ Stankovitz. That's a good point.
0: That's a, but you know what? It's it's just like you know, and I like Charlie Tilson a lot. But you got if you go down, who's going to step up? If that guy steps up, and is good, you know. Okay. There might not be a spot for you when you come
2: am back. I,
4: am, I, am I Jacob May or Adam Engel or Peter? <laughs> well, that's what we're going to talk about. It's a good yeah, transition.
2: Yeah, I was, I was saying, but, boy, you made, that's a transition <laughs> for the ages right there because who is going to play center field for this team, J.J.?
4: Well, they're, they're evaluating those three guys, Bay, uh, Engel, and Borges. Um, and Leary
2: season, Garcia, right? Is Garcia in the mix?
4: Yeah, I, I would say mm-hmm. he's probably fourth in that mix. But mm-hmm. uh, just from what I've seen, I've really liked what I've seen out of Jacob May down here in Arizona. He plays good defense. He's got the ability to kind of, you know, drag on a little bit here and there, uh, steal some bases. I, I like what I've seen from him. I think he could be a guy who, if the White Sox really want to see what they have in their farm system, they could use this opportunity of Tilson, you know, essentially, not the opportunity they would want, but they could use the, you know, Tilson being on the disabled list to see what they have in Jacob May to start the season.
0: Totally agree. I think it's definitely the right call. And if if he's not the guy, give me Engel. I, I, I know Borges, yeah, Borges obviously is there as insurance as a non-roster guy but what do we need why well, what did, why?
2: about the rushing are we rushing these guys because they don't they don't want to rush these players up is that but, too quick is may being rushed is he is he really is, being rushed i would say well if, he, if he's starting on opening day i think he's being rushed
4: i think angle would be rushed i agree uh, given that he doesn't have a whole lot of at-bats in AAA. a but uh may played the whole year there last yeah. year and you know Maybe didn't hit the the way you would like to see someone coming up from Triple A to the majors. That's hit, what I'm but, more
2: reacting to. But
4: yeah, Look. yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, he really uh, he hasn't excelled yet.
0: But now because of – got no
2: one else, bring him up.
0: Well, neither is Matt Davidson. But right. at some point, you got to know what you have with these guys. Yeah. And I'm not like Jacob May's not 20 years old. It's not like it's oh god, we gotta we gotta start you know Michael Kopeck in the rotation because we have nobody else. Let's let's line him up and like I, I'm more curious to see. If this is our option and this is the way we're going, I say we, and that's normally not what I do, but <clears throat> I'd rather see something that could excite me Yeah. more than the alternative a non-roster invitee or kind of just a guy, even Larry Garcia, because I don't feel like that's
2: – So you're just basically wasting your time having Peter Board just playing center field because he's not a part of the future. I
0: have no problem with him making the roster okay. as a fourth outfielder. I just – I mean, JJ, what do you? T- what's your take on this? I mean, don't you I think, think- – don't you think Borges doesn't really do much for you if you're starting him?
4: Yeah, but I think I think Chuck's point is is good in that if, if they feel like Jacob May still needs a little more seasoning in the minor <laughs> leagues, they're not going to put him up in the majors just because they cool. have an opening. How old is he? Um,
0: 23? Which is
4: you know, kind of their approach to everything, kind of like you guys said. How, how old is May? Is he
0: 23?
4: I think he's 25. I mean, oh, 20- he's 25? Okay, so he's older than Charlie Tilson. I'm pretty sure he's 25. Right,
0: i got to Google this. 25. I know he's been plagued by injuries, but – like, he's 25 years old. I mean, how much more seasoning do you, do you I mean, real? I'm, yeah. I'm just, I mean, you could give him another hundred at bats in AAA, but until you actually put him up in a major league stadium, you know, with real hacks. He's 25. I mean, he turned 25 in January. Ball game. I mean, at some point, like, what are you going to do? Like, put up or shove, Jacob May. Here's your
2: season. 2017, if not, you're going back <laughs> to Charlotte, never coming back. But, but right? Well, I mean... Not, maybe not, not never not exactly. coming back,
0: <laughs> but maybe it's 2017, a whole season put up or shut up, and you you're never coming back. Listen,
2: the White Sox in these trades, trade talks, I'm sure they're looking for a center fielder. Yeah. So this might be Jacob May's only shot if he's going to... Be a starting center fielder with the White Sox before they potentially acquire one.
0: I'm all in. We've made that. We
2: got that. Jacob May is
4: now starting center field. <laughs> okay. Well done, JJ. Okay, we've anointed him. All okay. right, so
2: Carlos Rodon threw on Tuesday. You were there. What are you hearing about Rodon and uh, when might he actually pitch in a spring training game?
4: So Rick Renneria said Tuesday that the most likely plan is that Rodon will throw another sim game and after that uh, they'll look at a Cactus League start. Uh, on Tuesday, he threw, I believe it was 64 pitches. He threw from both the wind-up and the stretch, uh, which someone astutely pointed out on Twitter. Uh, there are no other ways to throw a ball. I said underhanded would <laughs> be the third. Um, but, yeah, he threw all of his pitches. Today. Uh, Tuesday was the first day he threw his slider in spring training. So, you know, they're very incrementally building him up. Uh, but the expectation is that he will start the fifth or sixth game of the season, most likely, and uh, they're going to just try to keep his innings you know, monitor his pitch count and his innings count in spring training, just given that he will be expected to take on more innings this year with Chris Sale gone to Boston.
2: All right. So, speaking of pitching, you did a story for csnchicago.com on Kopech, Birdie, and Lopez, and throwing 100 miles per hour. Can you elaborate? Because I haven't seen the story yet. I know you were you were had been writing it. What's going on with this? And what did you find from these three guys?
4: this This was a fun one to write. I, I wanted to ask those three guys what it was like the first time they threw hundred miles an hour, just given that you know us, us mere mortals here can't even come close to touching that Chuck and guff, I don't know what your fastballs were like growing up, but mine maybe hit about sixty, <laughs> so we're talking about you know, forty more miles an hour.
0: I was more faster. I was probably like 70, but it was I had no control.
4: Oh yeah, okay, so how many guys did you uh, hit a, a lot more. of up and in? <laughs> <laughs> effectively wild <laughs> yeah that's not good uh, but yeah so i asked those guys what it was like and i mean all three of them had very clear recollections of the first time they were told hey you threw 100 miles an hour and for michael kopech and zach birdie i thought it was interesting they both said they were relieved when they found out uh birdie did it in his sophomore year at louisville against clemson cope did it three days before his 19th birthday in single a wow and both of them said you know they had they'd always wanted to do it they always sort of knew they could do it, and then to find out was relieving, Ronaldo Lopez had a totally different reaction. He he was basically just like, really? I threw 100? <laughs> he, he had no idea he could even do it because uh, growing up, he was made fun of by his youth coach for having a weak arm, an arm like a little lady. <laughs> uh, and wow. I, I just thought that was interesting that, you know, Lopez never really thought of himself as a guy who could throw 100, and then when he found out, it was just a – Oh my God! Wait, you kidding? Uh, so the, that, uh, the the different responses that I got, I thought were pretty interesting. Hey, just uh, Chris Kamka's walking by here.
2: Hey, yeah. a, uh,
4: Chris Kam- Kamka cameo on the White Sox podcast.
0: Wow, that makes sense.
4: On speaker, Chris, you got a stat for us today? Hey guys, yeah. Do stat? Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: was yeah. <laughs> this is cold, magic. Cold All stat broad- right here.
4: All for in. the broadcast. Okay, <laughs> that's for the Tuesday broadcast. Okay, good to see. Good to see Chris down here. Yeah.
0: So, JJ, real cool, the last one I got for you is just on paper, and just from the couple of games I've been able to tune into, Lucas Giolito to me has has been the the rising star of camp for me, just what I've seen. But I haven't been able to put my eyes on guys like you have been down there. What, in in your week down there, what's who has stood out most, or who has impressed you maybe more than you thought when you hit it down there?
4: I really like what I've seen out of Reynaldo Lopez. I was talking with a scout the other day, who just kind of confirmed. You know, that he's got, I think the, the maybe the criticism of Lopez initially was that he was more of a thrower, maybe not as much of a refined pitcher as like a Giolito or one of those guys. But I really liked his man presence. I really liked how he was going about his business when he pitched against Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, he's got a really good fastball, really good off-speed stuff. Um, of all the guys I've seen down here, I think I've come away the most impressed with him. Uh, and then offensively, this is kind of a layup, but Tim Anderson looks very good down here.
2: Even Tyler Saladino, uh, how about him?
4: Yeah, when Saladino, I, yeah, I hit a grand slam on Monday. Of Carrasco, uh, a great mustache. I mean, yeah.
2: Sorry to interrupt um, you. I, so- I know you were talking about Tim Anderson, but
4: yeah,
2: <laughs> I thought your answer was going to be Tyler Saladino since you've been down there, in the, you know. But uh, Tim Anderson, yeah, he's impressed me too.
4: Yeah, and, well, so Anderson on uh, on Friday, th- this is what impressed me the most about him was that he had a. There was a 13-pitch at-bat he had, I think it was in the first inning, mm. against Tommy Malone, a guy who White Sox fans will remember oh. as being one of those soft-tossing lefties. Yeah. Always would shut him down. But, so he fouled mm.
0: off,
4: off six, seven, or eight pitches in that at-bat. It was 1-2. He worked it to 3-2. And he ultimately grounded out. But he was hitting second in that game. Jose Abreu comes up in the next at-bat and lines an RBI single to left. And I, I, whatever, wherever the White Sox decide to bat Tim Anderson, whether it's first or second in the order, his ability to, to sort of make contact like that uh, is going to be a, a nice little asset for the middle of the order. His, his two-strike approach, I think, has really improved from uh, last year to this oh, yeah. year, and yeah. that will benefit him greatly getting at the top of the order.
2: All right, JJ, good stuff. Thanks. We appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you when you get back to Chicago.
4: All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, stay JJ.
2: Warm. Oh, stay warm. How you, shouldn't even, you shouldn't even, <laughs> Don't even mention that. Don't even mention that. Because even though you're trying to be nice, it really comes across as being very self-serving. You You know,
4: yeah, it is very self-serving, except I'll be back in Chicago on Wednesday, uh, so I'm really controlling myself. Yeah,
0: it's going to come back to get you. I'm going to remember that one's going to be
2: stored in the
4: pocket. Okay,
0: we're
2: (laughs) going to be cold over here, and uh, you enjoy the warmth of Arizona, and we'll talk to you soon. All
4: right, thanks, guys. Thank you. All
2: right, coming up here on the White Sox Talk podcast, brought to you by Wintrust. I saw something over the weekend, Guff, that made me ill, that made me sick. I didn't think I would get sick this soon seeing this. It made me.
0: I have an idea, but it's a complete guess. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, it's
2: a tease. tease. That's why they call it a tease. Mm -hmm. And um, I think other White Sox fans might have gotten sick too. Okay. That's after this. Keep your money local. Bring it home to a Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com. socks members FDIC.
1: CSN Sports Talk Live podcast brings you the freshest takes and boldest insights on the hottest topics of the day. David Kaplan leads the conversation with a rotating panel of writers, reporters, and personalities. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe at CSNChicago.com podcasts today.
2: We are back here on the White Sox Talk Podcast So, um, on Twitter over the weekend. And, you know, when you're on Twitter, you're not sure exactly what you're going to see, some things you don't like, some things you like. You're Mm -hmm. you're kind of at the mercy of whatever someone is posting on your Twitter feed. And here I see someone posting, I think it was from MLB.com or MLB. I I think you're right. They're showing video of Chris Sale. Yeah, I knew it. Pitching in a spring training game for the Red Sox. I'm like, oh, Chris Sale pitching. Let me check it out. I almost... Got sick right there. I was seeing Chris Sale in a Red Sox uniform, f- throwing heat, throwing nasty changeups and curveballs,
0: sixty-three pitches. And I, four innings, four Ks. Yeah, and hit. I
2: realized I'm not ready, even though I know he's not on the White Sox, he is on the Red Sox. I am not ready to see him pitch in that Red Sox uniform, and when he's at Fenway Park pitching for the Red Sox in that uniform, that's gonna. I think that's gonna be the, my other, the second phase of my grieving of not having chris still on the white Sox anymore
0: yeah i i've i've been you know obviously we follow the same feed or whatever probably mlb (laughs) it was somebody from mlb i think even just seeing the pictures of him in like red and blue i'm
4: okay
2: in the pictures it was the video of him doing i didn't see the video
0: i just see the lines like they they posted his line yeah it just had like three fire emojis and i'm just like
2: but i'm fine with that too it's the video yeah, maybe i mean,
0: him because we've been I haven't clicked on the video on purpose. So when you see I'm, the video, you're going to yeah. see
2: what I'm talking about. Like, I'm like, whoa, that's that's Chris Sale live and in color in red color pitching. It was uh, it hit me hard. I, mean, hard. I mean, it's just it was I like mean, I was surprised at my own reaction because I was like, I know he's not on the White Sox. This is I'm, I'm all in on the rebuild. I get it. But seeing him pitching in a Red Sox uniform in Fort Myers or wherever it was in Florida, that, that hit me.
0: I mean, Adam Eaton posted, uh, tweeted something out the right. other day of him in a Nationals uniform, like right. kind of looking mean at the camera, like saying, you know, when does April start or something? And that, like I just stared at that and I was like, huh. Yeah, that like, happened. That, that's, <laughs> he's not on the White Sox, huh? No. Talking about who played in center field. Like, listen to the names we're bringing up. Jacob May. I'm in. Peter I'm, Borges. But you know what? You talked about sale. I'll, I'll flip it the other way and just say this is what. Like, this is what it's going to be. I know.
2: I know. I got the stomach for it. I think White Sox fans do, too. Just the reality of some of it is now it's coming. If you haven't seen him yet in spring training, so, when the season begins and Chris Sale
0: is pitching I usually him. go to opening day every year and, like, the yeah. excitement. It's just like there's nothing like opening day because, like, the hope. Yeah. And I want to go to Charlotte. All yeah. Right. Let's go to Charlotte. I, I, I got something. A question I want to ask you in a, in a few weeks for the okay. podcast. I've okay. been purposely holding because it's too early to do it now. Okay. But yeah, it does have something to do with Charlotte.
2: All right. Hey, that's a wrap for the White Sox Talk podcast. Our thanks to Dan Pleasak who joined us after his. Was it a 14-hour drive from? 14 uh, hours. Some,
0: from White Prompt, Knuckler. White, it, it
2: was a White Knuckler out in Pennsylvania for him to get back home. And J.J. Stankovitz. Uh, the White Sox Talk podcast brought to you by Windtrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at windtrust.com/socks. Hit the button to subscribe so you can listen to White Sox podcast wherever you are and whenever. And we'll see you next time.